0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be looking at one verse of Scripture out of chapter 11, and we'll get to that here in a few minutes. I just want to encourage you before we get started this morning, um, uh, the donations for candy, uh, we really need your help this year. Uh, we are trying to uh, get to the goal of 300 bags of candy. You say, well, what's the purpose? Well, what we're doing is we're making a great big push this year. We want to have a great event at our Truck retreat, Treat. And, um, and the goal is is not to pass out candy. That's just, that's just the bait. Amen. Uh, what we're doing is we're wanting to touch people with the love of Jesus. And we want to invite him to church. We want to invite families, uh, to our children's church. We want to invite people to come and be a part of what God's doing here at New Life Church. And we're going to have people stationed around the, the activity area to witness and to just share the love of Jesus. And so, uh, we just need your help with that and also to sign up to, to help or to, Uh, have a trunk or a car or motorcycle, whatever you want there. Um, So if you'll help us with that, we would greatly appreciate it. Amen. This morning, we're continuing on with our series, Chasing After God. And this series, to me, is something that, once again, it's one of those series, there's one of those sermons that God's really laid upon my heart really um, heavily. Uh, It's something that that I feel very... um, um, passionate this morning about, and it's my hope that in this sermon series I can inspire you. I can challenge you to passionately and diligently go after the heart of God. And you say, "Well, why? Why is it that you want us? To, why do you want us to be challenged in that way?" It's because it's so easy to settle into an unenthusiastic form of Christianity. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Let, me, let me just say that again. It is so easy to settle into an unenthusiastic form of Christianity. Yes. Now look, at. let me just say this to you today. I, I, I wanna say that this is not an indictment. I am not using this to, to, to uh, berate you or to disrespect you. I want to challenge you because there is more in God, can you say amen? God is a God of more than enough. There is more in him and we should we should be seeking that. We should be going after that. Can you say amen? Yes. There's more he has for us. There's things that he wants to show us. There's levels of himself that he wants to reveal to our lives. There's more that he has for us. And it's easy if we're not careful to get into this kind of flatline, this this unenthusiastic. It's kind of just putting in our time, as it were. We go to church, we listen to the worship, we, we hear the sermon, and we go home uh, unchanged, unmoved. Can you say amen? See, I I, I, I want to be changed. I, I love being challenged, but the, at the end of the day, I want to be Changed? Can you say Amen? I want to walk away different from when I came. I I want the Word of God to penetrate. I want the Spirit, the presence of God, to uh, meet with me. I want to experience. Him, and I want to take that with me wherever I go in life, no matter where I find myself. If I find myself at a grocery store, a gas station at home, at school, at work, wherever I find myself, I want to find the presence of God. I want Jesus with me because it's so easy just to settle, and when we settle, we become indifferent. We become cool, we become half-hearted, we, 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 we become apathetic, we become complacent and even a little lackadaisical. Can you say amen? And lackadaisical, it's, it's lazy, if you, if you want, Frank, just so you know, um, it's, 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 that, that's, that's what we can become. And it's exactly what Jesus dealt with when he spoke to the Laodiceans in Revelations chapter 3. You remember from last week, we talked about chapter three. We talked about this church that had become lukewarm. They And what you got to understand is this church was a successful church. These were good people, successful Christians. But Jesus said, you've become lukewarm. Now, I want you to notice something about this. He didn't say they had become sinful. <clears throat> he didn't say that they were Sinister. He didn't say that they were evil. In, in fact, these people are probably not even quote-unquote worldly. They're just lukewarm. They, 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 they just had that take-it-or-leave-it attitude. How, how many you know what I'm talking about? They, they were blessed. They had come to the conclusion, in fact, the Bible says that they were rich and that they needed nothing. But in the midst of their abundance, they became negligent. They forgot what life was all about. Let it not be said this morning of New Life Church that we too, because of our comfort or because of our blessing, have become unenthusiastic with our take it or leave it attitude. Can you say amen to that? Let it be said of us that we passionately, diligently, enthusiastically chase after God. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably going, oh, here he goes. Here goes, pastor. He's wanting us to be fanatics. Absolutely. I want you to be fanatical. I want you to be passionately, over the top, diligently, enthusiastically in love with Jesus. Can you say amen? I want you to express it in as many ways as that you can. I want you to follow hard after Jesus. Can you say amen to that? You know, it's so easy to be fanatical about other things. We can be fanatical about sports. You've met people like that, right? Their favorite team is winning, and they do all kinds of crazy gyrations. Or if their team is losing. Or if the umpire or the ref has made a bad call, watch these people react. You want to talk about fanatics. It's easy. Hey, all you have to do is find somebody down in Laughlin that wins big. They'll get a little fanatical. Come on, it's true. Or how about you ladies that stay home all day and watch The Price is Right secretly? You dream of the day that you could be on The Price is Right you think in your mind, dear God, if they would call my name, I would go. I would go, and I would memorize all the prices of tuna and canned soup and all of this stuff. I would put. I would. I would learn to putt. I would learn to do all those games, and, and I'm because I, I want to win big. I want the showcase showdown, and I'm going to get there within two hundred dollars, and I'm going to win both. Yeah. And you're fanatical. Now, you don't let nobody on, but when nobody's in the house, you're excited. Or how about those guys, how about those politically motivated people that watch the news every day? You want to talk about fanatics? They're kind of of fanatical about what's going on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, we ought to be fanatical. We ought to be excited, enthusiastic. We ought to be diligently passionate about chasing after God. See, God is just waiting to be caught by someone whose hunger has exceeded their grasp, that they're truly hungry for God. They're chasing after him because they're hungry for him. They want more of him. See, God chasers have a lot in common. Primarily, They are not interested in camping out on some dusty truth known to everyone. Listen to what I'm saying. They are after the fresh presence of the Almighty. Can you say amen? Amen. And sometimes these God chasers, their pursuit raises the eyebrows of the existing church. It makes them think, it's like, what are they up to? But usually, they lead the church from that place of dry, uh, dryness back into a place of his presence. Can you say amen? amen? See, if you're a God chaser this morning, you won't be happy to simply follow God's tracks. Listen to me. You will, you will want to find his, you will want to apprehend his presence. It's not enough to follow and trace where he's been. You want his presence. Can you say amen? See, the difference between God's tracks and his presence is the same difference between truth about God and revelation of God. See, truth is where God has been. But revelation is where God is. Truth is God's tracks. It's his trail. It's his path. And many are happy to know where God has been. But the true God chaser is not content (coughs) to know where God has been. They don't want to study his trail. They don't want to know about him. They want to know him. They want to know where he is and what he is doing right now. Can you say amen? amen? This was Paul's passion. This is how Paul felt. And he wrote some significant words. We've all read them, but it would do us well to read them again and to pay attention to the passion. In Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that which Christ Jesus also lay a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to the passion, the urgency, the determination, the diligence of Paul's words. Are you hearing that this morning? For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus, my Lord. He's not talking about some sort of knowledge of Him. He's talking about a relationship with Him, the excellency of a relationship with Jesus. He says that I may gain Him and be found in Him. That I may know Him, the power of His resurrection. That I, he goes, I press on. That I may lay a hold of which Christ also lay a hold of me. And he says, this one thing I do, forgetting what you're behind, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. What is he saying? He goes, this is my focus. Everything is about this. I'm chasing after God is what Paul is saying. That's what we ought to be. We ought to chase after God. A.W. Tozer wrote in his book, The Pursuit of God, It says how tragic that we in these last days have laid our seek our we have had our seeking done for us by our teachers. Think about that statement. He says, in these last days, what we've done is we've relegated this passion, this seeking, this, this 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 pressing in. We've left it to those that have the responsibility of teaching us. We don't do it, they do it. He goes on to say, he says, everything is made to center upon the initial act of accepting Christ. Extremely important to be sure. He says, but are we not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation of God to our soul. We have been snared in the grip of a false logic which insists that if we have found him, we no longer need to seek him. Are you hearing me? He goes on and he says, true grace creates desire for more grace. Grace creates Creates desire for more grace. To have found God and, st- and still to pursue Him is the soul's passion for love. Are you hearing me? Yes. Matthew Henry was right when he commented about Paul's statement when he wrote, Don't be drunk with wine, but f- be filled with the Holy Spirit. His aim was to make us Godaholics of all believers. Amen. Are you hearing me? See, the spirit is not deadening, the spirit is addicting, can you say amen? And the evidence that you have him is that you want more of him. Listen, continued indifference to in growth in grace is a sign of no grace. See, when we have long periods of time where we just go, it's good enough, It means that something is waning or lacking inside us. And we've got to get a grip on that. There are too many Christians that are walking around with this idea that everything is okay. No longer do they press in. No longer do they contend. No longer do they resist the power of temptation. No longer are they, uh, uh, do they look different from the world. No longer do they have a a, a distinguishing mark. They are no, the salt has lost its savor and the light has gone out. And somewhere, church, we have got to get back to what God has called us to do. So I want to read to you a text. It's just one verse of scripture. And I want you to take time to mull it over. I want you to meditate on it. I don't want you to skip past this. It's so easy when we're reading the Bible to skip past truth. We've got to pay attention, stop, slow down. I want you to listen to this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Are you hearing that statement? This verse of scripture speaks volumes to us if we dare to listen. If we will pay attention, there's something here for us. No doubt that this scripture is used to bolster our faith, No doubt it's used to encourage our faith, and rightfully so. But much of the time, we look past the very key that's spoken of so beautifully as being the key to our faith in this scripture. See, faith is, listen to me, faith is, by all accounts, a profound belief in something or something combined with a diligent pursuit of it. Are you hearing me? Faith is an action. Faith faith is not simply a principle or a description of a condition. Faith is an action. It's something that we do. Faith is a profound belief. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. First, we must come to him and believe that he is. There is our belief. And because of that belief that he is and that he is a rewarder, we must diligently seek him. Amen. Are you catching that? Yeah. That's what he's saying. That's the kind of faith that pleases him. That's the kind of faith that moves God. The hurdle that we face as a Christian in our faith, is a de- de- uh, debilitating state of indifference. <clears throat> Listen to what I'm saying. Too often, we allow ourselves to be reduced to a simple what will be, will be attitude. The, that, that, that attitude that says, it just doesn't matter. What, it's gonna be what it's gonna be, I don't it, it, whatever. <laughs> okay. yep. Amen. Amen. It's easy to get there. It's easy to go, well, I, you know, ain't much I can do about it, it is what it is, and so I'm just gonna let it be and it be what it's gonna be. That is such a lie from the pit of hell. And whether it comes through prolonged struggle or whether it's misunderstanding or misinformation, we can end up in a place of apathy in our walk with God. I often see this when people are battling spiritually. They're trying to overcome, or they're believing for something yet unseen. And as time passes, we can easily become discouraged. We become disillusioned. We become disappointed. And the temptation is to back off. Just, just Let's just back off. Or the temptation is to give up. Or worse yet to give in. Come on now. It doesn't matter what dynamic is at work. What happens in those moments is our Christianity becomes more abstract than real. Our Christianity becomes like a good movie. Kathy and I, this weekend, we, on Friday, Friday is kind of our Sabbath day. That Friday is the day we, We rest, we don't do a lot. We may go for a drive, we may, you know, sometimes we go out to dinner or go out to breakfast or or whatever, but we don't do a whole lot. So this Friday, we didn't, we really didn't do a whole lot. I don't even know if we got out of our pajamas Friday. I think we did, we actually. You did, because you went and got food, that's right. Somebody, she's the great white hunter, she had to go get burritos at Sonic or something, I don't know, anyway. And so we decided that we were going to watch Lord of the Rings, and we weren't just going to watch one movie. We're going to watch all three, and we're going to watch the extended version of all three. Well, the first movie, Fellowship of the Ring, is three hours and forty-eight minutes, but we were committed. We're diligent, and we're going to press in. And so we watched these movies, and I love the Lord of the Rings. I love it. You know, J.R. Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien. He was uh, such a brilliant mind. Had great imagination. He was a Christian. He was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, and they often had conversations and theological debates and back and forth. And much of what you see in *The Lord of the Rings*, *The Lord of the Rings*, it, it, it has such a spiritual and biblical connotation to it. Now, I'm not recommending that these movies are what you want watch so that you can get you know the spiritual understanding, but it is the struggle of good versus evil and and good overcoming evil at at, at all odds and I love the movie because it's so wonderfully done. Now, when I see good movies, what I do is I insert myself in the movie. And I'll I'll tell you who I am. I've located myself. I am the character Sam Wise. You know, Sam who who followed Frodo. I'm not Frodo. I, I don't carry the burden well but, but I'm, I'm a good sidekick and I, I don't ever see myself as the hero. I always see myself as the sidekick. I, you know, I'm not the Lone Ranger. I'm Tonto, you know. I, I, I see myself as that. And, and so in the movie, there's a great scene in the last movie, The Return of the King. Here is uh, Frodo, he's, he's had this just horrific journey, you know, trial after trial and difficulty after difficulty and, and just all this stuff. And finally they get to the mountain doom and they're getting towards the volcano. They gotta throw the ring in there to get rid of all the evil and all that. And finally Frodo passes out on the side of the mountain. He's laying there, I can't do it. I just can't do anymore. And Sam Wise is, he's like, Mr. Frodo, you got to. You got to get up. We, the people are depending on us. We got, you got to get moving. You got to, you got to do this. He goes, I can't. I'm done. I'm done. I'm through. And Sam Wise, and I'm telling you, this touches me at a level that's very, very deep. Yeah. Sam Wise looks down at Frodo. He says, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. And he picks him up and he begins to carry him up the mountain so he can finish his task. That's me. That's me. And I insert myself in that, in that place. And as we're watching, I'm, you know, we're both crying like big old babies. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, trying not to convulse. I'm, you know, I'm just like, oh, dear God. And I'm like, I, you know, this is moving me. This is like just touching me on a level. But then the movie was over. And we were back to reality. And it dawns on me that's how a lot of Christians approach God. We come to church, we, we come into worship, or we come in to a good sermon, or we come into a moment, we have these little moments with God, and, and they're great and all of that. But then all the special effects go away, the CGI goes away. The good directing goes away. And guess what? Reality. Let me tell you something. God's not a movie. And we got to stop treating him that way. Stephen Furtick said this. He goes, our relationship with Jesus has become more a weekend activity than a daily priority. Uh Even more disturbing is that not only are there staggering signs of unbelief all around us, there are signs of shallow faith, the kind of faith that is conditional and fickle. Too many of us are too far behind in our spiritual growth and development. And it's urgent that we take God more seriously. Are you hearing me? In the language of Hebrews 11:6. 6, we need to seek God more diligently. I, I hesitate to use the word more diligently because it connotates some sort of performance that somehow that if I do more, something better will come. That's a wrong mindset, but the truth of it is, there are rewards when we press in. There are rewards, it's not about performance, it's about hunger. It's about priority. It's about saying, God, there's not enough, I haven't got enough, I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want more of you. I want more of you, I want you, I'm hungry for you until I have all of you. He says in Hebrews eleven six, six, with- without faith, It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm not earning his acceptance. I'm not earning his love. I already have it. I've been accepted. I've been adopted. I'm a part of the family. Acceptance is not the issue. Love is not the issue. My satisfaction, the hunger is the issue. And here's my point. If you want something out of life that you've never had, then you're going to need to do something that you've never done. Amen. Right. Think about Peter who got out of the boat. He had never gotten out of the boat before. Never. And he wasn't even really successful at getting out of the boat. He got out and took two steps and sunk. But those two steps changed his life. Why? Well, first of all, he walked two steps further than any other man did other than Jesus. And secondly, when he began to sink because of his own fear, he cried out to the Lord, save me. And a supernatural event took place. Not only was he back in the boat, they were on the other side of the lake in a moment of time. None of that would have happened if he didn't get out of the boat. And I dare say, church, there are a lot of us that are hanging out comfortably in the boat going, this is good enough. And God's going, you know what? I never intended for you to stay in the boat. I wanted you out here with me all the time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A lot of people are guilty of being excited about seeking God in the beginning stages of their relationship and then letting their zeal fade because they don't see the results as immediately as they used to others are inconsistent in their search and are never rewarded because they're just not diligent according to hebrews 11:6 it says god is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him why because diligence connects you to your reward but more importantly Diligence connects you, the seeker, to God, the rewarder. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, diligence is defined as a faithful or persistent application to one's work or study with painstaking effort. The word painstaking is actually a combination of the word pains and taking. In other words, painstaking means taking great pains. Are you hearing me? It means refusing to give up or to let go. It means to hold on firmly or steadfastly to a purpose despite the obstacle, warnings or the setbacks. Diligence, consistency, constancy, effort to be taken in all that we do. There's a tenacity that God is looking for in our search for him, that requires diligence. Are you hearing me? It's not only a natural law, but it's also a spiritual law that we need to get around our minds. Proverbs 10:4 says, "He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich." Jeremiah 29:13 says, "And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart." The question is not whether we attend church or how much of the Bible we can quote. No doubt these things are important. We don't make light of them at all. But they do not make us necessarily seekers of God. The question is, are you seeking him? I've known people over the years. Now listen, I believe that biblical study and reading is a part of seeking God. But I've also met people that aren't looking for him, they're looking for knowledge. Yes. And they have great knowledge, but they have little of him. Come on. If we are really to understand this principle in our walk with God, then we've got to go back to our text that we looked at last week and take a closer look. In Psalm 63, we looked at that last week, and I know we're overlapping a little bit, but you need to see this. In Psalm 63, says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better to me than life. Itself, how I praise you. I honor you as long as I live. I will honor you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the riches of food. I praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think how much you have helped me. I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. I follow close behind you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Psalm 63 allows us to look into the heart of a man who was after God's heart. It's an emotional psalm. It's coming out of the depths of David's life, and it has much to say to us. Can you say amen? Amen. So to seek after God first means that we have an intimate personal relationship with him. Church, that's got to be the goal is a relationship with him. It cannot be about religion. It cannot be about activity. It's got to be about him. We do what we do because of him. We do what we do, all that we do, we do so that we can know him, so that we can walk with him, so that we can experience him. We read our Bibles, we pray, we worship, we repent, we do all the things that we do so that we can be closer to him. Oh God, you are my God, David writes. He knew God in an intimate, personal way. And see, there's a vast difference between knowing about a person and actually knowing that person. Can you say amen? You can learn a lot about your favorite movie star. You can read news articles and books on their life. You can learn about their personality. You can learn about their personal habits and their family life, but it's still not the same as knowing them personally. To know your favorite movie star personally would require an introduction or an occasion to meet, then spending hours with them over long periods of time through many different situations. And as the relationship developed, you would begin to discover more and more about them. Are you hearing me today? More and more, long beyond an academic standpoint, but as close friends. You would begin to understand who they are, how they think, what they do. I have a friend who I consider my best friend. When we get together, he can make a comment, and it can even to some seem like an off-color comment, but I understand it because I understand him. We can talk back and forth. Oftentimes, we can finish one another's sentences. Why? Because we know each other. We've spent time. We've made an investment of time. We have sought one another. So it is with God. Church, I'm telling you that there is a whole movement out there right now that we are absolutely immature and superficial. We've got to know Him, we've got to push in. To seek after God means always to desire more of him. David says, I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. David wanted more. He wanted to go deeper. He knew that there was more and that his whole being craved it as a thirsty man craves water in the desert. A young man ran up to Socrates, calling him one day, Socrates, Socrates, can I be your disciple? Socrates ignored him and walked into the water. The man followed him and repeated the question. Socrates turned around and without a word, grabbed the young man and dunked him under the water and held him down until he knew he couldn't take it any longer. Then he pulled the man up, gasping for air, and Socrates replied, when you desire the truth as much as you seek air, You can be my disciple. And you say, well, that's a little drastic. That's not real. That's not Bible. David put it this way. I desire God more than my necessary food. Might have been Job that said that. Forget one. One of them guys did. Amen. Amen. See, if you figure that you've reached a level of maturity in your Christian life where you can put it into neutral and coast, you're in trouble. David walked with God for years and still thirst for more. There was a saying that I heard a long time ago. When I was a very young, it was before I was a pastor, I was very young, I was probably about <clears throat> 19, it was actually before I met Kathy. I was probably nineteen. I went to a conference, and a man was preaching, and he made this statement, he said, "What you say you believe is not what you believe, but what you believe is demonstrated in the actions of your life." Yes. Yes. And that has always stuck with me for years and years and years because if you go around today to the average Christian and say, are you passionate for Jesus? They'll tell you, absolutely. But nothing in their life would ever demonstrate that passion. And that's where what we have to do, church, is we have to take a look and say, wait a second, where am I really at? Am I really passionate? Am I really hungering for him? Or is it something I just do on the weekend? (laughs) Is he a part of my everyday life? Do I lay on my bed at night and think about him? Do I meditate on him? Do I read his word and ponder it? Do I spend time seeking my God? And finally, as I bring this to a close, to seek after God means to pursue God alone to fill the vacuum of your life. The fact is, it's easy to fill your life with other things than God. They may be good things, but the problem is they are not God. You say, what are you talking about? I'll go so far as to say, you can fill your life with ministry. You've missed it. It's not God. You can fill your life with family. Family. You can fill your life with success. You can pursue to be a good father, a good husband. You can pursue all of these things, great success, but they're not God. I've seen people and I have even been this person where because of the volume of ministry, I felt that somehow I was spiritual But the truth is I was dry, weary because I hadn't been seeking him. I was pursuing ministry. I was doing everything I could to get things done, but it wasn't getting done in me. I've seen people over the years that have put family in front of God. Making statements like, well, we just, you know, we didn't come to church this weekend because we, we need family time. And I understand it, don't misunderstand me. I believe in the family, I'm a family man. I love my children, my wife, my grandchildren, and I love spending time with them, but not at the exclusion of God. Because oftentimes the statement, we're gonna have a little family time means that we're just gonna hang out around the TV or we're gonna play some game or we're gonna do something other than something spiritual. And sometimes that can get convincing. I'm doing the right thing. And I'm not against family, don't misunderstand. I believe God ordained the family was God's plan he ordained the family to protect and to train children that's what he did he ordained the family and the family is very important but if our seeking and investing in the family is at the exclusion of God we make it an idol we can put a lot of good things in our life but they will never fill the vacuum Psalm 42, one and two says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. We cannot afford to allow our relationship with God to be sluggish. In Psalm 27, four, David writes this, and I want you to listen to this. I, I don't want you to trivialize this, but I want you to listen. 27 4 he says one thing I've desired of the Lord That will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple I got thinking about that and I thought why would that be David's why would he use the phrasing one thing? I have desired one thing I seek after one one thing I have desired of the Lord and that will I seek And then he says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why would he say that? Because in his day, the house of the Lord, the temple, is where the presence dwelt. And he said, that's what I want more than anything, is to be in the presence of God. Well, church, the Bible tells us that the presence of God no longer dwells in buildings or structures built built by the hands of men. But God now dwells in the hearts of men. This is the temple. And somewhere's church, we've got to seek after him. I want to be in his presence. I want him. And I know I've been saved a long time, a lot of years. And I know how easy it is to, to pass things off and to set things aside and not even be you know uh mean about it it's not that i'm doing it deliberately it's not some sort of sinister thing it's just the process of life i know how easy it is to come to church and then to walk away unmoved what i'm saying to you church if this sermon is going to have any impact in your life you're gonna have to do something about it you have to do something you have to say okay god i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do something <laughs> I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to tap my feet. I'm, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to do something. I'm going I'm to press in, God. I'm going to look for you. I want to experience you. I am going to be deliberate and diligent, and I'm going to seek you. Yes. And I'm going to seek you with everything so I will find you. You won't be disappointed. You will not because even in the seeking, he shows up. Even in that process, he begins to speak, and he'll help us. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we thank you, God, for the goodness of your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you are helping us. Lord, we need you so much. Help us not to walk from this place and be unmoved by your truth to be unmoved by your presence, but God, that we would make a decision to press in, to press in, to diligently seek after you. Father, help us to find you. Your word tells us you are not far from us. You're not hiding. You just want us to prioritize. We love you, Jesus i wonder as every head is bowed every eye is closed if you'd say you know what pastor i don't know jesus is my savior i'm not right with god i i haven't been saved i i've listened to what you what you said and i love it and i want to be a part of it but i just don't even know if i know jesus if that's you would you lift your hand would you lift it up all across this place right now you need jesus in your life amen you can look up at me church We need him. We need him. Can you say amen? We need him. So I don't know how to do this. That's okay. I'll let you know next week. Number three. And we're going to press in. It's taken me 47 years to get here. But I'm getting there. And I'm going to find him. And then you probably won't be able to control me. That's okay, because he can. Amen. On stand your feet. If you have a need of any kind, our prayer team, our ministry team will be up here. Come on up, let them pray for you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Remember, next week, part three, diligently chasing after God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. Can't wait to see you next week.